Say, hey, welcome to Victory Church. Let them know. Say, welcome to Victory Church. So excited to have you here with us today in the middle of July. Before we get into a couple of things, I want to give just a few announcements. Thank you so much. That is a really high stool. I just realized how short I am. Um, I just want to give you kind of a quick couple of announcements. Number one, if you are visiting with us, either in person or online, we would absolutely love to connect with you. And we have two ways to do that. One is we have a paper connection card that you may have had the opportunity to get coming in. If not, you can certainly get it going out if, <clears throat> if that's something you like to do is fill out on paper. But kind of the new 2021 way to do it is through technology. And so we have a text to connect here. And what you do is on 31996 is your number. So in the number area, you just put 31996 and then you would text VICTORY18 to that number. So 31996 in the number area and then VICTORY18, and a digital connection card will come to your phone, and you have the opportunity to put in just your information, name, number, whatever it might be, um, and you'll send that to us, and we'll be able to connect with you. We'll be able to reach out, answering your questions. The coolest thing about the connection card, whether digital or uh, uh, paper form, is on the bottom are a couple of different boxes uh, where you can either ask questions or you can mark, hey, I, I got saved today, or I'm interested in baptism, or whatever the different situations are. And then we get that information and we can contact you. And so, for example, if today you decide to give your heart to Jesus Christ, we know by that connection card and we can reach out to you and do our best to help disciple you if you're wanting to get baptized. If you just have a question about the church, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks or maybe it's your first time here and you just got a couple questions, we can answer those questions. So do me a favor, if you've been coming or if you're new and you've never connected, do one of those things, fill out uh, the connection card online or the paper card, and we actually have a gift for you. So here's the cool thing. We have these really awesome victory mugs that we have for anybody who's brand new to the church and anybody who fills out the connection card for the first time. So when we get those, whether you turn it in personally to us in the Welcome Center or whether you put it on the, uh, the digital, we'll be able to get that and get you your gift. So again, thank you for visiting. Thank you for being here. Hopefully we can connect with you. Second is giving. If you are looking for a way to give to Victory, there are so many great things that we get to do here at this church, and you'll hear me talk about a couple of them. I did mention this last week, but I'll mention it again. This end of this week, I was able to drop off a $500 check to the Nourish Food Bank here in Smyrna because of your faithfulness and because of what we were able to do at the 4th of July event. And so that's just one of many ways that our church is giving. I made this announcement a few weeks ago. I thought it was really cool that since our, since our church existed, we're three years old, one of those years being COVID, so I, don't, I say we're two. Um, we've given over $100,000 to our community and to outreach. Is that not amazing? Come on. That's amazing. And that's because of your faithfulness. I don't take that lightly. We, we take our money very serious. We're great stewards of it, but we don't take it lightly. We don't take your faithfulness lightly. So thank you so much. And if you're here and say, I'd love to give, you can do that in three ways. You can text to give. It's coming up on the screen. It'll be on the screen if you're watching online. You can also go to our website or our app and give online that way. And of course, if you are here in person as you exit today, there'll be kind of a black box right out there in the lobby area that you can drop off a check or cash uh, if you'd like to give in those ways. So uh, thank you in advance. Couple of announcements of what's coming up. At our Welcome Center, and you may have been handed these when you were coming in. I'm sorry I wasn't here during that time. But there are some missions trip uh, information cards. And so in 2022, we are taking a missions trip as our church, our very first missions trip. Are you excited about that? <clears throat> I am. We're going to Costa Rica, baby. Costa Rica. Uh, we're going to go, and then I'm going to chill out there for a couple of months and just hang out on vacation. It's not true, but it's going to be a great time. And so you can get one of those cards that has some of the basic information, but here's what's mostly important. August 8th, right after service, we're going to have an informational meeting. And so if you have any interest in going on this trip, we would encourage you to show up to that meeting and get your questions answered, uh, meet Steve and Carrie who are directing and leading it, and just be able to make connections with uh, what you need to do to be able to advance yourself to go on that missions trip. It's with our friend and our missionary, Katie Carter. She's a great friend of ours, great friend of our church, and we cannot wait to get out there and serve with her. Uh, also on August 8th, and we've been, we've been really prepping this, and we're about to turn up the information on this, but we begin our series at the movies, the sequel, baby, part two. 
part two at the movies was the coolest, most successful series we had as a church, and we were planning part two in 2020, and then, you know, something happened. I don't remember what it was, but something happened, and we, we couldn't do it, and so we're coming back around 2021 with At the Movies, the sequel. We'll go August 8th, and then we'll do three more weeks, so August 8th, I think it's August 20-something is when we'll end. It's going to be a great time. I'll be preaching from movies clips. We'll have popcorn and Coke and special characters, and it is the best time for you to invite that one, that person that you're trying to share the gospel with too, so they can come and be a part of just a fun environment, fun atmosphere, and they will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Cool? All right, one, one quick announcement, and we'll jump into this. My wife and I have been under the weather for the past couple of days um, and, I, and I do believe that we're coming. I do believe we're on the other end of it. But uh, they're, they're not here today, her nor my kids, just out of uh, safety for you guys. We didn't want to put our kids around anybody or we didn't want to risk any, any spreading. We, again, I, th- I think we're okay, but we're just trying to be as safe as possible. And so with that being said, normally, uh, if you're a part of our church, you know normally right after service, I, go, I like to go out to the lobby so that I can hug your neck and, and talk with you and shake your hands. I will not do that today. Um, I won't do that, again, just out of respect and safety for you, um, because if you come out in that lobby and I'm there, I'm going to be tempted to hug you. Uh, I saw some friends earlier that haven't been able to come back to church since the pandemic, and I, and I wanted to squeeze and kiss all over them, and I had to, had to, had to you know, hold myself away, um, because, again, I just want to be safe as I can. So uh, normally, like I said, that's where normally you'll find me after service. I won't be there today. Our leadership will be out there. If you have any questions, if you need anything, they'll be able to get that for you. And if you are visiting today, do me a favor and come back next week because I would love to shake your hand and hug your neck. Um, But I am kind of giving a spiritual hug to you right now. So everybody lean in. Here we go. Oh, you look so good. You're just so cute. All right, here we go. You ready for the word? All right, this is the most energy I've exerted in about 72 hours. So Chris is here in case I, I fall over. He can just throw me back up and I can be ready to go. All right, so, um, but, but I'm, I'm ready to preach the word. I'm not gonna hold back. Here we go. Acts chapter eight is where we are. If you are new to what we're doing, we're preaching through the book of Acts. We just finished Acts chapter seven last week where we were introduced to a character named Stephen who was a deacon who went on to uh, give his life for the gospel. And we're going to be introduced to a new character today by the name of Philip, who is known as Philip the Evangelist. And so that's where we're introduced in Acts chapter 8. So I'll read it, and then we will get into the message. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul approved of their killing him. Now this this obviously automatically picks up right after 7, where we read last week that Saul watched as they killed Stephen. And it says Saul approved of their killing of him. Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. So Stephen's been buried and they're mourning him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. Now churches were often in houses back then. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So people who were gathering under the movement of Jesus Christ in their house, he went in the house, snatched them out, put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That is so important to hear. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip, he went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. I want to talk to you just for a brief moment this morning from the idea, pardon the interruption. Y'all ever heard that saying, pardon the interruption? I, I got to kind of figure out the situation in the room real quick. How, who in here are my people that can't stand to be interrupted? Anybody in here? You just, come on, put your hand up high. Let's, let's get it. Let's, let's be very clear. You can't stand to be interrupted. I, I didn't think this was me, to be honest with you. Um, through majority of my life, first 20, 25 years or so, I, I didn't think that was me. Had you said, Troy, are you one of those people that hate being interrupted? I would have said no, um, because I never really, that just never really was my scene until I had kids. And when I had kids, I found out I hate being interrupted. Um, one, of, one of my biggest pet peeves is when my family of four, so if you're visiting, I have an 11-year-old and a six-year-old, two, both girls. And so if we're traveling in the car and I'm trying to have a, a serious conversation with my wife, and I'm in the middle of telling her something, it's, it's almost inevitable that one of my kids will go, Mom, 
And they normally have their headphones in, so they have no idea that I'm even talking, right? And they want to talk to mom, and they'll interrupt me. And finally, she'll see me. I'll just be like, right? And she'll, she'll turn around. She'll be like, babe, let your father finish his point. Like, there's just a point where I get mad at being interrupted. I found this out when I go to the gym, all right? My, my gym head's in here. Uh, because people in the YMCA know now that what I do and who I am, it's often that I'll be in the middle of working out and somebody will come over to talk to me. And at first, that's really fun, right? At first, you're like, this is cool. Like, I'm impacting people's lives. And then eventually, you find yourself on a schedule and you need to work out, and now people are interrupting you and it's bothering you. But here's the biggest thing for me, and I'm gonna really find out who, my, who people like me are in this room. I am a scheduler. Anybody in here a schedule person? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like if something happens that's not on my schedule... I will go and write it on my schedule. Like, that's how much of a schedule person I am. So any interruption to my schedule drives me crazy. And Darla found this out. I've shared this with some of y'all before. It's pretty funny. Darla found this out because she would come and give me news that would interrupt my schedule. And my immediate face, like my response face, was very negative. And so it would make her mad. And she finally had to learn that she just had to let me process it for a moment, you know? Like I was, I was, because I was kind of processing, what does this mean for my schedule? And so interruption was bad for me. And so once she learned that if she, she'd come in and say it, and she wouldn't look at me, right? She'd be like, hey, by the way, this is going to happen. And then she'd come back in five minutes. And I'd be like, okay, I figured it out. I moved this to two o'clock and this to one o'clock and we're going to do this right here. I figured it out and it was okay. But I'm just, I just do not like interruptions, so let me ask you this. Have you ever had a future plan, right? Or at least you've mapped out the next couple of weeks and then God allowed your plan to be interrupted? Better yet, you felt like God interrupted it himself. You ever been there? You know, you had something planned. You had your, you know, how the wedding was going to look or how the friendship was going to look or what was going to happen with the job or what direction the dream was going to go or the situation with your kids. You had all this planned out, figured out. And then not only did God allow your plan to be interrupted, if you were honest with yourself, God actually interrupted it himself. The reason why this is so important is because something so cool happens in Acts chapter 8. Philip, the evangelist, is in a place called Samaria. And according to the Bible, revival is breaking out. Philip is preaching his heart out. People are uh, you know, getting saved. They're beginning to follow Jesus by, by the hundreds. It's just, it's rocking. Everything's awesome. And he is the rock star. He's the guy at the front on the stage. He's preaching. People are getting healed. Bible said people who were paralyzed are getting up and walking. Bible says people that were de uh, demonically possessed, the demons are leaving them, and when they leave them, there's a shriek. So like imagine, right? Imagine you're in church right now, and like all these paralyzed people are getting up, and then you got people in the back looking like Michael Jackson from the Thriller, right? And it's like, ah, that's my shriek. I don't know, I don't know what shriek, but wee, wee, and all these demons are coming out, and it's like, this is crazy, man. Like, this is the most exciting thing. People are freaked out, but they're still excited because it's just cool, right? It's just like, this is crazy. Something crazy is happening. And then all of a sudden, what we're going to see later is that God sends an angel to Philip to tell Philip, you have to leave. In the middle of all of this and all of this excitement and all of this rock star status that you have in Samaria, all of this success that you're having in Samaria, all of these miracles that are happening, God interrupts it and says, you, Philip, the evangelist, the one who is leading all of this, you have to go somewhere else. In, I don't know, 20 plus years of following Jesus Christ, I'm learning that God has a way of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable, right? Like, I, I'm a firm believer that when we are in seasons of our life of affliction, God comforts us. But I'm also becoming a firm believer that when we find ourselves in seasons of life that are comfortable, God will afflict us to move us. 
For some of us, it's the interruption of an unexpected event. Something happened. You didn't think that was going to happen, but it happened and it was an interruption. For some of us, it could be a, you know, a, a, a tire blowout. It could be a breakup. It could be, you know, just an event happened that was unexpected and that was an interruption. For some of us, it's the interruption of an unexpected perspective. Something happened and now you see things differently. And because of that, it was an interruption in how you were doing your daily routine. Now it's been interrupted because you see th something differently. For some of us, it's an unexpected feeling. Now what we were doing or the way we were moving in life has been interrupted because we feel different. But what God is going to show us in Acts chapter 8, listen to me, is that sometimes in life, the interruptions that we experience are necessary. Sometimes the interruptions that you have, that you faced, are necessary. And what Philip is facing in Acts 8 is the same thing that you and I are experiencing today and will continue to experience as we follow Christ, and it's this. He is interrupted with an opportunity. What happens to Philip in Acts 8 is he's interrupted with an opportunity. So watch this. Chapter 8, verse 26 says now, so, so he's been preaching. It's the, the, everything's blowing up in Samaria. It's going great. And it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he's in the middle of Samaria. He's preaching. The ministry's exploding. Things are going great. And then the angel of the Lord, an uh, uh, angel sent from God, so in other words, a message from God, it's the same thing as God talking to Philip, saying to Philip, you need to leave here. I'm interrupting what's happening here. And you need to go down to this desert road. <laughs> like this road that known to that culture was very, very rarely traveled. So God, you want me to leave this place where all of these people are experiencing the presence of God, where all these people are being saved and healed and demonically you know, set free. You want me to leave that. I mean, I'm the rock star. I'm the preacher. And you want me to leave that and go all the way to this desert road where the rumor is nobody even travels anymore? Why would you interrupt this to send me to this. And what started off looking like a disturbing interruption is actually about to become a divine interruption. Because when Philip gets to this road, Philip runs into somebody. Philip runs into an Ethiopian eunuch. Let me explain just for biblical knowledge for those of you that are wondering, hey, what is a eunuch? I've read that before. What's a eunuch? A eunuch is when a, a man has been castrated, and the reason why this would happen uh, often in biblical days is because you would have uh, a king or you would have uh, a wealthy person where this man worked for them, and they did not want this man to be able to have relationships with the women in the house. They didn't want them to be able to have kids and eventually grow and have this army and overtake them, so they would do the obvious way to prevent that, which was to castrate them. So this guy is an Ethiopian, he's, he's, he's an Ethiopian, and he's a eunuch. And when Philip arrives to this desert road, he's there. He's in a chariot. And we'll read this in a little bit, but he's trying to read the book of Isaiah, which we have in our Bibles today. And because Philip ends up on this desert road, he ends up explaining the gospel to this man, and he ends up being able to baptize him. All of this to ask you this question. What if the interruptions that we face aren't obstacles to what we had planned, but what if they're opportunities to embrace what God has planned? All right, now I know that sounds great. I need to repeat it again because I really need you to tune into this. What if the interruptions that you and I face and are facing are not obstacles to what we had planned, right? Because that's what an interruption really is. Man, I had this planned and then this happened. What if it's not an obstacle to what we had planned, but what if it's an opportunity to embrace what God has planned? This made me think for a second about 
like all of the, all of like the cool moments in my life that started off as an interruption. I, I just kind of kind of went down uh, memory memory lane, if you would, right? And I was thinking you know, right off the bat when when Brian invited me to uh, the church in Memphis called Raleigh Assembly of God at the time. Like I was going on with my life. Like I. I was not in a season of my life where I was looking for religion. I was not looking for a faith or, or even interested in God. I, I had never been to church. Um, I, I had no reason. To, I didn't know who Jesus was. Like, none of that had ever come across. Nobody had ever tried to tell me about the gospel. I was just living life. I think I was in, I don't even remember anymore, maybe 10th, 11th grade, doing my thing. And, and, and here comes this guy, and he starts talking about church. At that time, he was an interruption. You know, I was wanting to do other stuff on Wednesday nights, and now he wants me to go to church. That, that was an interruption that obviously became an opportunity because it led to my salvation, which then led me on a path to here, to be able to look at you. I remember, uh, it wasn't the first night. I, I think I went to youth group with him for a season and then stopped. And then I remember I went back one night, told some of y'all this story, and, and I walked into the youth room and they were fanatical, man. They had these panels that would kind of block off the worship from like the pool tables and stuff. And the lights were on and you walked in and all these teenagers had their hands up and they were worshiping. It was crazy. And I'm standing in the back because I'm a little freaked out. And I'm trying to kind of figure out what are we doing right now. And on stage was this blonde girl. She was singing. And, and, and she was the best looking thing I had ever seen in my life, okay? I was like, I don't know, is that an angel, literally? And I, look, I'm saying all this and she's not here. So it's not like I'm gaining points, okay? Um, but, but I was just blown away. At her. In that moment, I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. In fact, I was probably in a relationship. But that was an interruption. I, m- I remember looking to Brian going, who is that? And he said, that's Darla. And I was like, well, tell me about Darla. He's like, well, she dates Bumper. And I was like, Bumper? You know, like on purpose, like she did it on purpose, like that's his name. But you know, again, it was just an interruption for me. And it was an interruption that became an opportunity to where I ended up getting to befriend her and ended up falling in love with her and marrying her. I remember, I don't think I've ever told y'all this story. I remember when Darla first told me that she was pregnant with Veda. Talk about an interruption. I had been at a, at a camp for kids, for uh, foster kids, for six days, where I had, been, I had been leading ministry for kids that were in foster care. They had been taken out of foster care for one week and given this incredible week. Uh, called, it's called Royal Family Kids Camp. I was doing this camp. And I'd come back uh, Friday. Friday night, I was exhausted because you, you, you are basically with these kids 24-7. And I slept in Saturday. And I woke up, and she was standing over me, looking at me like this. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know. And I was like, what, what's going on? And then she pulled that pregnancy stick thing out and showed me. And it took me a few seconds to be like, I don't even, what is this? And when I realized it was interrupted. When she told me about Casey Ray, we had discussed that we would have two and then we'd be done. So y'all quit asking. Um, and, and, and I didn't know that, that it had worked. And so I'm, I'm in, the, in the room one day and she goes, babe, I bought you a t-shirt. I love clothes. So when she said, I bought you a t-shirt, I was like, that's what I'm talking about, babe. Yeah, what you get me? And so she unrolls this T-shirt, and it says, like, best dad um, Facebook approves or some mess, and it said, two people like this. And I read it, and I was like, that's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, why would you get me this shirt? I'm never wearing this shirt in public. And she was like, babe, I I said all that. And she said, babe, read it again. And I read it again, and I realized I just fell back on the bed. I realized it was number two. Those Those were interruptions that were really opportunities, planting this church. I remember being on staff at my church in Memphis and being good. And then I remember going to my pastor and saying, I don't know what it is, but something just don't feel right. There's something stirring in me. And he told me, he said, when God stirs you, he, he, even, he stirs you for two reasons. He said he stirs you to even, either pull you out or he stirs you to be able to drive you in deeper. And so he said, you got to figure out which one it was. And I found out it was because God was moving us to Smyrna to plant Victory Church. Listen, I'm telling you this because I can go all day on moments in my life that started as interruptions, but looking back on them, they were opportunities. Ask yourself the same question. How many moments right now that you say are some of the best moments of your life 
that if you look back on them when they first began, you were upset about them, right? When it first started back, it was an interruption to you. You were almost angry about it. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, that God-given opportunities are often hidden within God-given interruptions. God-given opportunities are often hidden right inside of God-given interruption. I'll give you some examples. You ready? Goliath was both an interruption and an opportunity. David was doing his thing, and then his dad said, hey, I need you to take these cheese and crackers to your brothers because they're fighting this giant named Goliath. David was shepherding. He was interrupted. He went to the battlefield. He fought Goliath, and that's what started him being this amazing warrior of God. He was an interruption, and then he was an opportunity. The angel that came to Mary to let her know that she would give birth to Jesus was an interruption and an opportunity. The second that angel told Mary, you're going to be pregnant, knowing, Mary knowing that she was a virgin and she had never been with her husband, had to go tell her husband, I'm pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit's. There's no bigger interruption than that. That's an interruption, but it's an opportunity because she gets to be the, the, the conduit in which the Savior of the world comes. Remember the storm? that attacked the boat when Peter was in it and he walked on water. The storm was an interruption. They were going from one side to the other and the storm came in and it was an interruption. But it was an opportunity because Peter got to walk on water. Remember when Elijah put his coat on Elijah's back, symbolizing him passing on, right, the, the anointing? That was an interruption, but it was also an opportunity. The boy with the sack lunch when they're trying to feed 15,000 people. It's an interruption. Why is this boy here with a sack lunch? It's an interruption, but it's also a... Every interruption that God gives us is also an opportunity. But we have to understand that. What if we're missing out on huge opportunities to see God work through us because we are comfortable and we don't want to leave Samaria. We don't want to leave some area. There's some area where we're comfortable and we don't want to leave it. And so God keeps trying to interrupt it. And we keep ignoring the interruption, but it's the interruption that's actually an opportunity. Paul said in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he said, The foolish, I love this, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. The, the, the foolish plan of God. In other words, the dumbest thing that you think God has ever done, the dumbest thing is still wiser than the wisest thing you've ever thought of. Isn't that interesting? The dumbest thing that you think he's ever done is wiser than the wisest thing that you've ever thought. Our opportunity to be used by God our, our opportunity to impact someone's life and to change the world is dependent on our interpretation of his interruption. How you interpret his interruption depends on whether or not you get to be used by God to impact and change somebody's life. What looks dumb might actually be divine. I know I've shared this story with you guys before, but I know we always have new people in the building. But there was a season in my life where I wanted to achieve two things. I wanted to lose weight, and I wanted to have a better quiet time with Jesus. And I've shared this story again with, with a lot of our Victory family. And you know that I, I've found out my brother-in-law was at the gym, and he was kind of a muscle head. And I went to him, and I just said, hey, you know, I, I, here's what I need to do. I need, I need to learn how to work out. I don't know how to work out. And so he said, great, I work out here every day. I said, great, I'll work out with you. He said, great, I'll see you at 5. I said, great, I'll be here. And he said, 5 a.m. And I said, whoa, God's not up at 5 a.m. You need to chill out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. It was a really dumb idea. To me, that was just as dumb as it can get. I got a friend now. He'll, he does, he's in a ministry called F3, Faith, Fellowship, and Fitness. It's an incredible ministry that they do. That's what they do. They, they spend time together sharing faith. They fellowship. They do a lot of great fitness stuff. And he's always trying to get me to go. And every time he invites me, because it starts at like 6 in the morning, so he'll text me and be like, hey, man, you want to go with me today? You know, I'll, I'll pick you up at 530. And I'm like, that is so stupid. 
Like 5.30. You know, I mean, again, I just understand. But, but you have to understand something. That ideas that start off sounding dumb will always end up being divine when they're God interruptions. Right? It was my willingness to get up at 5 in the morning, or really to get up at 4 in the morning and go meet my brother, that led me to the point where I did get in shape, where to then I started a quiet time that look, seven years later, I'm still doing today. So what felt dumb then is actually divine when God's in it. I, I, I could talk to my buddy that does F3, and I could be like, why do you do that, man? You don't have to get up that early, but he would tell me. It may sound dumb to somebody, but it's divine to me is what he would tell you, because God's using it. Because even when you think it's an interruption, if God's behind it, it's an opportunity. But as long as we chalk it up to, well, that just sounds dumb. Yeah, because the foolish plans of God are wiser than your wisest plans. But the truth is, you ready? Here's why it sounds dumb, because it interrupts your plans. It interrupts the fact that I want to sleep till 8 a.m., so it's dumb, and we label it an interruption, and when we label it an interruption, we can ignore it. But if it's a God interruption, what's hidden inside of it is an opportunity, because interruptions give us an opportunity to rely on God. And in order for us to change someone else's world, we have to be willing to let God interrupt ours. It, that right there should be something you get tattooed on your arm. Sorry, parents. Kids, don't get them yet. That's one of the most powerful things I feel like the Lord told me. That if I'm going to impact someone else's world, I have got to be willing to let him interrupt mine. What we want is to be a part of, of changing someone's life, but we don't want God to mess with ours. Can I just keep doing what, what I do, what, what's comfortable? I'd like to stay in some area. But God says, listen, for you to be able to impact the one, you're going to have to leave some area. And I know it's exciting. And I know that when you look around, it sounds like God's doing all these great things. It doesn't make sense for you to leave some area. But you're going to have to leave it so that God can use you to impact the one. So I'm talking to a friend of mine about this sermon uh, earlier this week. We, we got in a different conversation. I said, hey, interesting that you brought that up because I got, I got something I'm going to talk about this Sunday. And, and through the conversation, here's kind of how he asked it. I don't remember exactly how he asked it, but he said, well, how do you know that it's a God interruption and not just an actual interruption, right? Like, how do we know this is a God opportunity? And, and how, how do we identify the opportunity. Like if you're telling me that I've been interrupted by God, then how do I stop and identify the opportunity that God wants me to address? And that's, that's the question we're going to answer. How do I identify the opportunity? Well, here's what's so cool about the Bible is Acts 8 lays it out clearly. I, I could read these verses and walk off stage and if you listen to it, you would be completely informed, but I'm going to give you more than that. So here we go. Acts chapter 8, 27 to 35. So he started out, he being Philip, and on his way, everybody say his way. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, this is the Ethiopian, on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. And in the following verses, he will go on to baptize this man. God interrupted Samaria to send Philip to this desert road for this one guy. Is that not mind-blowing to you? 
that God would interrupt what's happening in Samaria, where Philip is this rock star. Watch this, where we could assume hundreds, if not thousands, are being converted to following Jesus Christ. And God would come in and interrupt it and take their evangelist and send him to this desert road, not so that he could start another revival, not so that he could see thousands of more people, but so that he could tell one person about Jesus. What is inconvenient for us is beneficial for others. What's inconvenient for you is beneficial for someone. And God will not hesitate to interrupt your life or my life to impact the one. I started thinking about my, my ministry life with the question, uh, when, when has God interrupted my life for the one? And a lot of stories flooded. I'll be honest with you. There's been a lot of people that... Uh, my life was inconvenienced for the one. Never regretted it. Always been very uh, thankful for God for it. And I'll be honest with you, I could tell you multiple stories, but as I was writing this sermon, God brought to my mind a young man named Petey. So let me tell you this story, because none of you, you've never heard this story. <clears throat> I was the children's pastor in our, my wife and I were children's pastors in Memphis. Katie Carter's mom, Karen Carter, Pastor Karen, was the kid's pastor before me, and she was transitioning the ministry over to Darla and I. She was hugely outreach-focused, so she did a lot of outreach ministry. I've shared with you before, that's how Jamal came to know the Lord, because they did an outreach ministry in his apartment complex. But she would bus in all kinds of kids from the neighboring area. We lived in an area called Raleigh in Memphis, Tennessee, and she would bus in all these kids from the area. And... When we took over the kids' ministry, some of those things had started to die down a little bit. And she came to me and she said, uh, Troy, I normally run a bus to this particular apartment complex and I pick up these group of kids every Sunday morning for our church service. And I said, okay. She said, it's a lot to take on. She said, so if you don't want to do it now that you and Darla are leading, that's fine. But just don't start it. You know, just, they know that I'm resigning. You know, it, it just won't continue. And I said, okay, okay. I didn't know these kids. I had no relationship with them. And so I was pretty open to let that stop. We, we had a kid's ministry that was about 150 kids. It was, it was a lot of work. We met in a gym. It was insane. Um, but one of the guys that served on my team said, I want to go pick them up. I said, okay, you know, if, as long as you're committed to do it, I'm, I'm fine. Like, we'll deal with it, but I can't go do it. He's like, okay, okay, I want to do it. So he did. He started picking them up, and, and that's when I met. There was probably about 13, 14 kids, and one of them was Petey. I, I, I think he might have been 10 years old or something like that. And about six months in, this guy quit doing it. He just, he just didn't show up. It happens, right? Well, now I've built somewhat of a relationship with these kids, and, and now I feel a little bit responsible. And so all my leadership is doing, just like we hear at Victory, everybody's got their own responsibilities. And everybody does such a great job of making sure that I can focus on just communicating the word that then it was just easy for me to say, well, I'll just go pick them up. Instead of getting my worship leader or my, my front desk person or you know my security, I'll just go get them. So every Sunday morning, right before church started, I get in a 15-passenger van. I drove about 10 minutes away to this apartment complex. I made the rounds. I picked all the kids up. I came back. They came into church, and then they would hang out until I was done with everything. Church would, would be over. We would, we would clean up. We, we had to set up and tear down our kids' ministry, so we would tear down all of the chairs, 150 chairs. We would do all that, and then they would just play basketball or something in the corner. I'd load them up in the van, and then I would drive them to Ashton Springs Apartments, drop them off, and then I would finally meet my wife and kids for lunch at, I don't know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was exhausting. It's exhausting. But I did it every week. And there were some weeks where somebody said, hey, you know, I'm available. I'll go do it for you this week. It was great. God always sends phenomenal people to those who are just trying to serve God. 
But I just, I, I had some kind of relationship with Petey I couldn't explain. Like there was just something about him that I just, I loved him. And I just, if nothing else, I was going to go pick him up. I mean, let me just give you a little bit of uh, behind the door to who your pastor is. They lived in a rough apartment complex. One Sunday, I'm dropping him off, and he lets me know that there's a guy in the apartment complex that wants to beat him up. And he said, he knows that I ride the bus to church every Sunday. He said, so I've been able to avoid him, but he knows that when he sees this white bus pull into our, he knows I'm on it. So his plan is to come stand by the bus while you're letting people out and wait till I get off. And I said, oh, it ain't happening today. Now, I don't know. I was 20-something years old. This kid's probably 11, all right? Get ready for this. So uh, we, 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 we are dropping all the kids off at their little apartment, and Petey's going last, and this kid is running behind our van, making sure that when Petey gets off. So I put the, pan, the, the van in park. I got out, and I put the kid in a headlock. And I said, Petey, run! <laughs> and Petey took off and ran to his apartment complex, and I let the little kid go. If anybody ever finds out about that, I could probably go to jail. But I'm just saying, you do what you got to do for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But this went on, y'all, for years. And I would sometimes, you know, I'd hook up with Petey. We'd go grab something to eat, a couple, couple of leader, kids' leader guys. We'd hang out. We'd go get some McDonald's or something. But I'll never forget. I'll never forget the Sunday that I'm preaching. And here comes the opportunity. We had little, little leaders that would come down, like, like adult leaders, sorry, that would come down and pray for kids who were getting saved. And this had been going on for years, and Petey had never raised his hand for salvation. He was not someone who was going to get saved every week. And I'll never forget the Sunday. I'm preaching, and I see his little hand go up, and I watch him. We had a leader named Jim Robertson, and he comes walking down to Jim Robertson. And Jim leads him to the Lord. I'm like, boo-hoo and crying. We would go on to do kids' ministry for a few more years. We'd start youth ministry. I have no idea where Petey is today, no idea. But I'm convinced that God interrupted my life in that season. And he inconvenienced me for one. And I was totally okay with it. Because that young man gave his heart to Jesus. I, I don't know what his life has been like afterwards. The Bible actually tells me that one man waters the seed and one man plants the seed, but God makes it grow. So it lets me know that God's responsible for him moving forward. But it was worth my inconvenience for the one. And I just hope that encourages you. Because if you're not careful, you start thinking that your life is all about you being comfortable. And that was never God's intention. God wants you to be blessed, but he is perfectly okay with interrupting your life for the one. And he wants your heart to break like his heart breaks for them. So how do you know who the one is? If you're with me and you're engaged, you say, well, how do, I don't even know. How do I know who the one? How did you know, Petey? How, how did you know the one? Again, Scripture's so clear. There's three things that you can look for that you're going to be able to identify who the one is. Number one is that you just need to be obedient. You just need to be obedient. The Bible said that, when, that as he went, he met the Ethiopian, right? That as soon as he said, go... As soon as he started to go, he ran into the Ethiopian. As soon as you walk out of this place today and you are completely uh, obedient to sharing the gospel with the one, the one will show up. It'll be so obvious to you. Like, oh, I, I should, it was been in front of my face the entire time. Yes, that person that won't quit leaving you alone. It's the person that keeps bothering you. It's the person that you complain about. It's the person that's interrupting you. Is God's opportunity because God's saying, listen, the gospel that you've heard, the salvation that you've experienced, I want my child to get it too, so I got to interrupt this child so that that child can experience. You know how many times I have to interrupt Beta so she can help Casey Ray? God will interrupt us so that we will help another one of his kids. We just got to, you just got to be obedient. Take the headphones out. Don't worry about the schedule. Be late for a second, but be obedient to God telling you to tell other people about Jesus. Number two, who's near to you? Who's, near, who's around? Turn around. Who's around you? 
The Bible says that the Spirit told him to go to the chariot and to what? Stay near to it. Be around it and listen. Over the next five or six days, if you're curious as to who the one is, just be attentive for the next few days as to who God puts near you. If you're obedient and you pay attention to who's near to you, you'll start to see. And then watch this. Last one is this. Who's eager? Who's eager? That man in the chariot said, he, I, he said, I want to know it, but I need somebody to explain it to me. There are people who want to know the gospel, but they need somebody to explain it. Do you know there's a stat out there that says 87% of people who are invited to church come? Isn't that wild? People want to come to church, but they want to be invited. They don't want to walk in a place and not know anybody. They want to be invited. People want to know about Jesus, but they need it explained to them. People want to know why what they're doing is a sin, but they need somebody to explain it to them. And there are eager people all around you who want to know about Jesus, but we are all so focused on our own. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. I'm just preaching to us as a family, as a church family, that we can, I know we've been, we've been through some stuff over the past 14 months or so, but let's get focused on who is around us. Let's be obedient to the word of God. Let's look for who's near. Let's look for who's eager. Let's share the gospel. Let's invite to church. Let's preach. Let's open the Bible. Let's heal. Let's, let's help. Let's do all that we can so that that person can know Jesus. Amen? I love the way Tommy Barnett said it. You don't get any more simple than this. Put that quote up for me, Paul. You got that quote at the very end? There we go. Thank you, buddy. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. You don't get more simple than that. Pastor, I don't know where to start. How do I know that this interruption is an opportunity? How do I find the opportunity? Number one, be obedient. Find a need, fill it. Find a hurt, heal it. Look for who's around you. Look for who's eager and then seize the opportunity. So I close with two things. First of all, are those of you that are saved in this room right now, those of you that are saved watching online, I'm gonna challenge you right now to start thinking and to start praying about the one. Now, this is not the one for the rest of your life. This is the one for right now. Because here's what I've learned about God is God will put one in my life and then he'll move me to a different one and then to a different one. So what I'm challenging you to do is to start, I almost put cards in your hand, but I got sick and it threw me off. It's gonna put cards in your hand and make you write the names down. Thought about you giving it to me so I could pray with you and, and maybe we'll still do that. But I want you to be thinking about who is the one that God's put in your life. Look, we got an incredible series coming up in three weeks. It's a real easy opportunity for you to start making grounds with that one. Man, I took him to lunch, talking to him about Jesus. Now I'm inviting him at the movies. They're coming at the movies. I hope they get saved. It's an incredible testimony of what can happen. But it's up to you being obedient. So I challenge you. Think, pray about who the one is and start making it a, a plan and a process to find a need and fill it find a hurt and heal it. Second, is to those of you that don't know Jesus, you're not saved, those online, in person. God interrupted your life today, probably interrupted somebody's life to get you here so that you could experience Jesus Christ. Do me a favor, everybody close your eyes for a second. If you're in this place, and you have never accepted Jesus as your savior. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. Salvation is instant, sanctification is a process. Salvation is what we're about to do. Sanctification is when you fill out a connection card and we can contact you and help you with discipleship. But if you're in this place and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, 
You've never said, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I want him to be my savior. Today's your day. Say, I didn't plan on doing this today. Well, God has interrupted your plan. I want to give you that opportunity. So I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, if you're in here, if you're watching online, and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, I pray that while I ask that while I'm praying, you would say, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. And I want you to be the Savior of my life. That's what I'm going to pray over you. I want you to agree with that prayer. And when we're done praying, I want you to fill out that connection card and let us know so that then we could help you with sanctification, with discipleship. Can we do that this morning? Father, I thank you right now. I pray for every person in this room, for the believer that knows what it's like to have somebody be interrupted so that they could come and share the gospel. And I pray you would put such a burden on their hearts right now. Everybody in this room that's saved. Everybody in this room that's about to be saved. A burden, Father, to go out and share the gospel with those that are near to to them, those that are eager around them, that they'll just be obedient. Father, I pray for those in this room that have never received you as their Savior. Your word says that we are all sinners falling short of the glory of God. I pray that they would admit that, that they're sinners. Your word also says that while we were yet sinners, Christ, you died for us. I pray they would acknowledge that, that you died for our sins. And Father, as I said earlier, we are reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son so that we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. And your word says that when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that you are our Savior, we will be saved. So I pray for those that you're speaking to right now. I pray they just surrender their life to you right now. Say, Father, I believe you died for my sins. I pray that your sacrifice would cover my sins, that you'd be my Savior. I pray you would move them to let us know about this decision so that we could walk with them and help them. I pray you'd put such a burden on our church to evangelize, to share the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. Father, we are so thankful. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 